Happy New Year, everyone, and we hope you enjoyed Wild Card Weekend and the Spartans Wolverine Sunday matinee. It's time for episode 102 of Three Point Podcast. Our triad includes the young gun, Jared Fattel of Grand Valley State University and Fox 17 TV in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Our 30-something is Matt Burns of ESPN in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I'm the senior citizen, Ted Fattel of Sportsnet Michigan and Z92.5 The Castle here in our mid-Michigan recording studios. Our partners include Advanced Elevator, the Corona Connection, Card Service Michiana, Rivals Tap House and Grill, Sheridan Auction Service, the Corona Public Schools, and Promec Engineering. Our syndication teammates include Sports Radio Detroit and WJSZ. Give us a follow, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and all the other big podcast hosting sites, and we'd love your comments and questions on social media. That's at 3 Point Pod. Well, we're going to start the year out with another interesting guest, social media star and host of Trash Talk on WXOU and other things, Tony Dombrowski. We'll also play the Detroit Lion general manager game, as I think we have the answers to end the curse of Bobby Lane. And we're going to get it all rolling right after this short break. Rivals Tap House and Grill is the area's go-to spot for the best in food and drink. Meet up with your friends and catch your favorite sporting events on over 20 high-def flat-screen TVs. And our 120-inch projection screen. Rivals can handle your larger, small parties and is an awesome spot to put on your fundraising events. Weekly food and drink specials including gourmet burgers, wings, pizza, homemade soup, and salads. Rivals also stocks a large selection of craft and domestic brews. Rivals Tap House and Grill, the official gathering spot of three-point podcast located on the corner of Shiawassee and M21 in Corona. 85, 90, 95, 100. Looking for items to buy or sell? Look no further than SheridanAuctionService.com. We will solve your problem. Bring Sheridan Realty and auction your items and we will market them all over the country and get them sold. If you are looking to buy items, we can help with that too. Call today, 989-720-SELL. It's fast, easy, and we get results. SheridanAuctionService.com. Buy or sell, we'll get it done for you. Call 989-720-SELL. You'll do better with Sheridan. All right, guys, uh, this is the first show of the new year, uh, episode 102. I know we had a little bit of a break as we had our Christmas special show, but uh, really it's been a couple weeks since we've delved into the sports world and, and, and got back together. And I guess the first question is, first of all, Happy New Year. I hope you had a Merry Christmas. Anything stand out from your holiday? I did absolutely nothing. And for those who don't know, I think Ted might know this, but Matt, I don't think you do. I mean, I think you do now I say this. So I had a liver biopsy on the 27th of December, which basically it's, it's not really a big deal. Surgery in and out in one day, but what it does do, it makes it so you can't do anything. You can't lift anything heavier than a milk carton for 10 straight days. And leading up to it, I was really dreading it and like, man, not being able to do anything. That's going to be horrible. But man, was I wrong because here's the thing. <laughs> When, when you have an excuse not to do anything for 10 days, like it's not like your normal everyday Saturday or Sunday where you just sit on the couch and watch football and kind of feel guilty about never leaving your couch. No. Imagine that feeling, but you have no guilt. You just are watching football all day. I watched all the bowl games, all so many different Netflix shows. I didn't leave my couch for 10 days. It was awesome. Now, did I probably gain about seven or eight pounds? Yes. And now I'm currently working that off. 
and have to deal with those repercussions. But for those 10 days, I was, it was paradise. Other people want to go to Miami or to Las Vegas or whatever. Nope, just give me a surgery and 10 days off. That's my vacation. So you said after the biopsy, you couldn't lift anything like heavier than a milk jug? No, I could not, which is horrible. When's the last time you've lifted anything heavier than a milk jug, though? Or in general, when did you ever lift a milk jug? Like I got milk. What's up? I guess. What do you guys consider a milk jug? I'm guessing like, like, like a, milk, a gallon like a milk jug. Yeah, a gallon of yeah, milk. Yeah, gallon of milk. Yeah, it's like. It's like what I it, just like, know you, you said that you don't frequent the rec center there in Allendale very often. No. Well, the, I guess the lifting thing. I do like I do some general fitness things. You know, a few push-ups here, a few pull-ups there. Play basketball here, play basketball there. I will say this: when I first did my first workout in about two weeks today, I, I puked afterward. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's horrible. I wow, was I out of shape doing like ten push-ups and dying? It's horrible. But hey, it was worth it for those ten days. That was awesome. Now back up for one second because you know you probably put some fear into people. A liver biopsy sounds pretty daunting. Everything okay? Yep. Feel uh, basically just waiting on six weeks now before I find out the results. But I feel fine, and it's more really just a precautionary thing. You know, something that could haunt me three, four decades down the road or something along those lines. So that was my break. Uh, Ted, what did you do? I mean, you, you don't really go out on New Year's Eve. You don't really actually we did once over break. No, I actually did New Year's Eve this year for, wow. for a chance. We went to uh, my brother-in-law, Joe, and his wife, Jenny, my sister. We played some board games, some cards. And then uh, you guys know all about the ball drop, ball drop in New York City, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, we went to downtown Owasso for their uh, annual ball drop. Let me tell you, boy, it, it compares. It's uh, it's right there. <laughs> it compares with the ball drop in Times Square. Huh? Absolutely. <laughs> no, you know <laughs> what? what it comp- did, knowing Owasso, what time did they do that at? Like ten thirty? No, they did, they did, actually. It was kind of cool. They did it at midnight, and there was you know it was pretty cold out, and people didn't start gathering down by the hot spot till right. We got there about ten minutes to midnight, and. Uh, you know, so at midnight, the ball dropped down from a giant crane hooked up by the uh, local fire department, and then they shot off fireworks down at the river, and that was pretty much the extent of it. But uh, had a good time. I'm not going to say uh, whether I indulged in any uh, new legalities, but uh, it was <laughs> it was a good night. No, it is, I, I, it is cool that Owasso does that, and I know we've talked about, like, I have family. My, my parents live up in Ludington, up north in Michigan. They do a ball drop, too. Um, you know, right there on the lake for New mm-hmm. Year's. So it's cool that, you know, kind of the smaller towns or the, you know, communities do these ball drops. Because, yeah, it is fun to sit in your house and watch the one in New York. But, you know, sometimes, yeah, you want to go out and do something like that on your own without having to drive to New York City. So right. it is funny, too. Like, we, my wife and I were talking about it, watching the ball drop. And I, it seems like I think about the only time I ever think about it is at midnight <laughs> on New Year's Day or New Year's <laughs> Eve, whatever. Like, if you're in a different time zone, when the ball drops in New York City, it's not even midnight where you're at. Right. Because I, I, I have some friends that live on the West Coast and in different areas around the country, and, like, texting them or, you know, seeing them post stuff on Facebook, you know, whatever. I, I was just thinking, like, okay, a text is coming through about, like, Happy New Year's, but to them, they've still got, like, three hours to go until their ball drops. Just kind of funny to think about. I, I It's absurd, but I've never, ever thought about that. That yeah. is wild. It actually makes me think that New Year's are actually better on the West Coast because you celebrate it pretty much at 9 p.m. or whenever, and then it's basically like a three-hour midnight thing. Then you have it's almost like double midnight. But yeah. Ted, I normally would laugh like 99 out of 100 times. I would have laughed at what you did on New Year's Eve, but uh-huh. this year I, I was asleep at about 10:30, so I can't really <laughs> laugh. You did you did something a lot more 
I outlast I outlasted you. How about that? Because I have fallen asleep at ten thirty before. I I will admit that. <laughs> exactly. It is kind of funny. I mean, so what do you, Jared? You're still young, so I know you you had a little little bit going on this New Year's, but you know, New Year's is cool, but. You know, you go through, like, stages. Like, I remember in college, or even shortly after college, I always wanted to be, like, downtown Grand Rapids or, like, going out to some bar doing something like that. Now I'd rather just be, like, hanging out with a couple friends, like a little house party or something like that. Where do you guys kind of stand? I guess, Ted, you went downtown Owasso, but we started, started out, out just hanging out with some friends. Yeah, started out with a house party, played some board games, laughed, laughed our butts off, and, you know. Just kind of that's kind of more of a tradition that you do when you get older. You know, you like I said, play games. I'm sure you drink some Moscow mules. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. When I was laying down in bed around ten ten, uh, <laughs> watching like my third rerun of The Office, I I was like, what the hell am I doing with my life? That was a pretty <laughs> terrible moment. When you when you actually, check on Snapchat, actually, when you're probably you're like, like perusing Instagram, Snapchat, whatever, and probably all your friends were right. just out getting rowdy. Yes, it was. They were all, they were all at Michigan State. And just ever, I had to, I didn't open Snapchat for a few days. I I started viewing them around 10 p.m. on New Year's Eve, and I'm like, man, you're gonna you're gonna drive yourself into depression if you keep looking at these. So I had to lock the phone away for a few hours. So it was rough. Well, I think at least, you, at least during that time you had home cooking, right? Yes. Oh, the food, the food. That's what I like. I said, I'm not exaggerating. I gained probably seven or eight pounds. So that just can kind of tell you about what the food is like for those ten days. So what is the regiment going to be? Just cut back on the calories, do working out. How are you going to lose some weight? Because I'm on the same mission. Yeah, I mean, just get, well, from doing absolutely burning zero calories in a day for ten for basically two weeks, to just doing some sort of moving around, going to class, workout here, workout there, changing my diet from. As soon as I go home, it's impossible for me to eat healthy. Then you go back to school, you can kind of get back on a regimen. Right. Um, so basically just nothing specific, just kind of got to figure my way out, lose a few pounds, drop 15 pounds. So we'll see. What right. about you? Set, set small goals. Set small, like, month, two-month goals. Yeah, my goal. So I, I just always hear, like, the people that set, like, a year-long goal, that's kind of harder to sustain or harder to stick to it. Set a goal for February or for March. Okay, yep. achieve that. Set another one. You know, yeah, that's basically yeah, exactly how right. that is how I'm kind of looking at it. I'm I'm going to look to cut calories, definitely cut carbs, and actually exercise a little bit. <laughs> it might not be a bad yeah. idea. I'm not trying to act like I'm some expert, but like I always hear people say, like, to, I have to go get this gym membership nah. and I have to go start doing all this stuff. It's like no, like just saying exercise. That's just like go for a walk. Exactly. You know. You, you got a basketball hoop in your driveway, go shoot some hoops for a half hour. Right. You know, just do something is better than nothing, you know. Well, the whole key is just to move. And I mean, when you get to be my age, you know, and I work in an office job when I am in town, that's the whole key. You got to get up and move. And when I get home from work, I don't feel like moving too much. I'm watching too much TV, a la Tedertainment Tonight. And uh, <laughs> so, so that's my mission, really, is to move more this year, especially like you said, Matt kind of a January, February thing to start off with and see what happens, see if I can get some results. Yep. Are you are you on, like, the Weight Watchers uh, diet program that kind of seems something you No, do? no, I'm, but I am kind of – it's not like, totally by the book, but I'm kind of going by the keto thing, you know, uh, high protein, a lot of greens, uh, you know, some fat, but stay away from <laughs> the carbs. That's the whole yep. key, you know. So we'll see how it works, but I love bread. That's going to be the tough part. I just love – good bread so that's gonna be tough 
All right, we're caught up. I think our listeners heard enough about our stuff here on the holidays, and, you know, we're just itching to get back into the sports world. There's so much going on, and we're going to get into it here in just a second. But i got to remind you, the CoronaConnection.com, they know it's great to be gold. Keep up to date on Cavalier Nation at CoronaConnection.com. And speaking of Corona, make Corona your school of choice. The second semester application period is right now. Enroll through February 10th or January 10th, rather. And everybody also knows, young or old, it's great to be gold. An advanced elevator company, they feature top expert field technicians for installation, troubleshooting, and repair of elevators, an area business leader and longtime supporter of the Corona Public Schools and a proud partner of Three Point Podcast. All right, guys. So, Ted, you kind of talked about the wild card weekend uh, in your intro, and obviously the Lions, not involved in wild card weekend. We kind of haven't talked much about the Lions the last six or seven weeks of the season because to be honest when we would prep for the show or whatever we would say I don't, what do you want us to say there's not a whole lot else to say so kind of a disappointing season or definitely a dif- disappointing season for the lions and you know i was talking to some friends a, a couple guys who listened to the podcast and we were saying when you listen to whether it's sports talk in, in detroit or other podcasts or even national tv shows radio shows it just it's just all bashing the lions it's all bash lions Bash Patricia, Bash uh, Martha Ford, all that, Bob Quinn. But not very many, like, ideas for resolutions or ideas to how to fix things. So we kind of came up with an idea. Let's just say Martha Ford fires Bob Quinn right now and says, hey, I listened to this podcast called Three Point Podcast, and these guys are pretty smart. I'm going to hire these guys to be GM. We're each going to put our GM hat on, kind of give our, our three to stick with the Three Point Podcast thing, our, our three first things we would do on our first day as GM of the Lions. All right, so I'm going to give you fire off my three first things I would do if Martha Ford called me and said, hey, Matt, you want to be GM of, of the Lions? Sure, here we go. Number one, I'm trading Darius Slay for a bunch of picks and maybe some veteran assets. Number two, I'm either going to draft Tua or I'm going to see if somebody wants to trade up and give us a ton of draft picks so they can draft Tua. And number three, I'm addressing – I think the skill players on offense for the Lions are fine. I'm addressing every other defensive skill position, defensive line, offensive line, everything through the draft and free agency. I'm not going after any running backs or receivers in those first few few rounds of the draft. So those are the three first things I'm going to do. And let me tell you why real quick. I like Darius Slay. I do think he's one of the best cornerbacks in the league. He Obviously, the statistics are there. He's been to Pro Bowls and all that kind of stuff. To me, when I watch Darius Slay, though, he just seems checked out. seems like he goes through the motions. doesn't seem like he really wants to be a Detroit Lion. Just He seems like he's just going through the motions. Maybe that's just because the team sucks. I don't know. But I'm trading Darius Slay because right now, he, you know, stock is high. I think the Lions could get or three really high draft picks, maybe a veteran corner, maybe you know a veteran linebacker, something like that for him. I'm, I'm selling him while his stock is high. Get Darius Slay out of here. Let's move on from him. I don't mind the idea of drafting Tua. You know, obviously the big thing is his health. I think one problem with the Lions is they've never truly addressed the backup quarterback position. I'm obviously a, anyone who listens to this podcast knows I'm a huge Matt Stafford fan, still am. He's the guy, you know, you've got him locked up. You're going forward with Stafford. But at some point you do need to address the backup quarterback position, even if it's for life after Stafford or just the fact that if he goes down, you can't just say the season's over just because Matt Stafford went down. So you need to address that backup quarterback position, and it would be the perfect position for Tua to come in. 
Stafford's the guy. He knows he's not going to start from day one. He can get healthy. He can learn the NFL. That's not a bad idea. But if the Dolphins, who are tanking for Tua, if they want to give up, they have three first-round draft picks, the Dolphins. If they want to give up two first-round draft picks and a second, something like that, so they can move up, okay, I'm doing that. Because the Lions, you could use those draft picks and really fill some holes. And then the third thing, like I said, I think the skill players, the receivers, I don't mind the running backs if on Johnson could stay healthy. I don't mind – Bo Scarborough. I don't mind the skill players. You already drafted Hawkinson. I hate that draft pick, but whatever. You're locked into Hawkinson. I think the skill players are fine on offense, so you don't need to do anything there. But I do think they need to start building that offensive line and protecting Stafford because if if he's the guy that you have to rely on, you know, you have to sign some free agent offensive linemen. You have to sign some veterans, you know, in the defensive backfield, some linebackers. But they have $50 million in cap space this offseason. They can spend some money. You need to start doing that. All right, let me go next. Uh, I know Jared will probably have some good off-the-wall stuff. I'm putting the pressure on you, Jared. Uh, I'm the elder statesman, obviously, hashtag since 57. I'm, go- I'm going to be, as the new GM, I've, I've really got Martha Ford's ear, and I'm going to stick with her while she's still breathing. And I'm going to go into her office, and I'm going to say, Martha, you got a lot of Ford money here. You're not selling the team. Your your heirs are going to be taking over the team. So it, it, the Fords are going to be involved for a long time. Here's what we need to do. We need to get the respect back. We need to really make a run. So I'm going to sacrifice some of my salary, and I want you to go get Bill Belichick. Now, I want him to be brought in as team president. Let's pay him anywhere from 50 to 15 to $20 million a year. I'll work closely with him. He can work with, you know, Patricia, and he knows football, obviously. So my number one pick is get Bill Belichick. Number two, if Chase Young is available, he probably won't be. But if he's available and Washington passes on him, I'm probably going to draft him. But as a backup, if he's gone, I'm going with Tua for the same reasons Matt talked about. We can have him back up Stanford for a year, maybe two. But you got to take a chance on maybe a, a franchise quarterback if you can get him that early in the draft, and he showed what he can do for Alabama. And on number three, I'm going to devote all my free agent signings on some of the younger, strong defensive players like Clowney, maybe Chris Jones, the defensive end out of Kansas City. Uh, even, I mean, I don't know how much it will cost nowadays, but Ndamukong Sue, I would maybe look to bring him back. He's 33, but you got to plug the middle of that line, and I would really concentrate defensively. So that's that's how I look at it. The fact that neither of you guys had Matt Patricia getting fired as number one on your list makes me question whether or not our podcast, whether we know what we're talking about or not. I mean, come on. That's a, I, just before you get in, that's a, I. They brought him back, so I know if you came in as GM, you could fire him. I kind of gave them the, all right, you brought him back, let's roll with it. That's kind of where I went with that. Well, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, yeah, I'd, if I brought Belichick in, I'm going to let him decide if he wants to keep him or not. So I'll just I'll, I'll ride the fence a little bit on that. Cause... I, 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 don't, I don't hate your strategy because it was basically I'm going to be the GM, I'm going to come in as GM, hire Bill Belichick to do everything at my job, basically, and I'm just going to sit on the mic, the couch, and eat potato chips. It's basically what your strategy <laughs> There was. you go. I, it's not bad. I mean, I, I do appreciate that. All right, uh, so my the three things I would do if I was the Lions owner. First, let me take off my three-point podcast hat and put on <laughs> my GM hat. So I'm here talking to Martha Ford. Number one, I'm changing the Lions back to their old logo and color scheme. 
no more black. Number two, Matt Patricia is getting fired. I thought that that was pretty obvious, but apparently to you guys, that's not so obvious. Number three, and this is a bit of an awful one, one, I'm taking the roof off of Ford Field. (laughs) Detroit is such a dome, it's not a dome city. We are a blue-collar city. We need to be like Foxborough. We need to be like Chicago. We need to have lion weather. So to go back to number one, the reason that I'm changing the color scheme and our logo is because the black looks stupid. I, lo- I love what we used to look like. Our logos nowadays, is just, it's not that good. Our color scheme's not that good. Our jerseys are lame. What I'm going to do with our helmets is we're just going to be plain silver helmets. Like we see what they wear when they go throwback uniforms. All silver, silver face mask, no logo on them. No stripes, no nothing. Just silver. I think that's a sharp look that could be kind of our trademark look. Number two, obviously, Matt Patricia is getting fired. And not just any kind of firing, but a very embarrassing one. <laughs> Similar to when Lane Kiffin was fired by USC before stepping on the plane. With all the like with all the draft talk going around the last few weeks, I don't know about you guys, but all I can think about is how it's Matt Patricia. And whether we draft Chase Young, Jeff Okuda, Tua, whoever, he's going to find a way to mess it up. So we're firing him, we're getting him out. I don't care if he's at a fair shot or not, he's out. And what I'm going to do with the coaching position is what I'm going to do. I'm, we're, going, we're making a splashy hire in either Lincoln Riley, Matt Rule, Urban Meyer, another college coach. If somehow none of those guys want to come and coach the Lions and they all strike out, I'm walking with my tail between my legs back to Jim Caldwell. I never thought we should have fired him in the first place. I'm fine with a 9-7, and 10-6 season for the Lions every year, which is basically what he did for us. Uh, and finally, like I said, number three, I'm taking the roof off a forward field. I've never been a huge Ford Field fan. I just I don't like the dome. I've only seen one game inside the dome. Never didn't really blow me away, even as an eight year old. I, I like going to Big House better. So we're a blue collar town. Detroit is in the state of Michigan. We need to have the weather, the snow. We need the shots of the the guys, the Detroit Don, the guys in the Lions hats with snow on them. You know, just freezing their balls off in, in the crowd. That's what we need. And just a few of my honorable mentions that I figured I'd throw out. Number four, I'm drafting Jerry Judy. Watching him uh, on Alabama against Michigan in the bowl game was all I needed to see. I know that we have more pressing issues, and wide receiver is probably our stronger position. But I'm of the belief that the Lions are always going to suck, so I might as well have fun while we're at it. Let's let's make this the best receiving core in the in the entire league. Uh, and number five, I'm drafting Jonathan Taylor or, Ken, or J.K. Dobbins in the second round. I, I don't carry on Johnson; doesn't hasn't shown me anything. Still, our last a thousand yard rusher with Reggie Bush in like 2013. I mean, it's time to get a really solid running back in for the Lions. So that's what I'm doing. Uh, what are our thoughts? Do you think Dobbins will fall to the second round? I, I couldn't believe that either. I actually looked it up, and that's where he's projected to go. No is kidding. the second round. Wow. So whether we have to trade up and get him or not, I, I think we need to get either him or Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, I, I forget the exact stat. I feel like they've talked about it the last couple of years uh, during the NFL draft. But, you know, things have changed. Running backs don't get drafted very high anymore like they used to you know it used to be like the first round was just full of running backs so it seems like taylor probably will go in the first round but yeah dobbins might fall to the second so ted you threw out chase young it seems like man i have argued whether it's on twitter or through text with some friends about chase young i wouldn't be mad if somehow he falls to the lions at three and they got him obviously he has all the potential i just truly don't think that adding an edge rusher like him and using a number three pick on him is what will put the Lions over the top. Like I think he'll he might end up being a solid pro or a very good pro, 
but I just think they have so many other needs that, cool, you got a guy that's going to get a few sacks, but are you going to be able to protect Stafford? Are you going to have a backup plan for Stafford? That's my problem with drafting Chase Young. Yeah, and I look, I look at Chase Young, and I know he kind of disappeared a little bit maybe the last two or three games for Ohio State, but prior to that, he looked like a monster. Uh, and I just think – you know, in the NFL, you got to be you got to be a top defense to win. So that's what I was thinking. If that if it drops to him, I think he can make a difference, especially if they can build around him with some free agents. Now, here's what I just wanted to bring up. We we talked about Matt Patricia. Yeah, the jury's still out. We know he's coming back next year, whether we're GM or not. But but uh, uh, let's face it, that team was completely decimated by losing Stafford, number one. And then they did have other injuries that were a big part. Now, I know every team goes through injuries, but if you looked at that Lions roster and you looked at the backup quarterback situation they had, you knew they were in deep shit if Stafford went down. And now look what happened. Yeah, Blau looked okay, but he's not going to get it done. I think one of the other big things the Lions got to do, they got to get a real backup quarterback. Yeah, but – yeah, I think that all falls down to the coach, though. I mean, the Eagles had so many injuries this year, and even when they had to play a backup quarterback in a playoff game against the Seahawks, like they still put up a pretty good fight and had a chance to win the game. Nine if points. That was the Lions. Nine I mean, points. Saw it, they're horrible. Yeah, but they got they, nine points. I mean, they had nine points, but they at least it wasn't like they were just getting shut out on offense. Yeah. It wasn't like they were losing to the Redskins. True. Like the Lions were. With a former and, Lion quarterback, by the way. The yeah. former, well, so he, he played for like twelve teams. He yeah, played exactly. for yeah. every team. But yeah, I guess that's my that's my thing. And like the point about drafting Tua, you know, the the biggest thing with him obviously is if the injury, if the the health is going to be there. That's the biggest thing. At some point, you you can't just completely keep hinging your whole season on Stafford's health, no. even though he went through a long stretch of starting every game for them. I don't know if you know his body's starting to break down a little bit, but if you're if you're putting all your eggs in the basket of Stafford being healthy, then you got to protect him, right? Right. And you know, like we, Jared, you talked about, we haven't had a thousand yard rusher in however many years since Reggie Bush. Well, what helps that offensive line? What helps protect Stafford? Offensive line. And I know they have invested some draft picks and some money in the offensive line, but I also I wouldn't be mad if if they were able to trade that number three pick at getting an offensive line and or an offensive lineman in the first round because if you got to keep Stafford healthy, you got to protect him. Well, let's face it, fellas, the Lions are sitting in a perfect spot at number three. Don't you agree? You know, there's Miami, San Diego. They're just chomping at the bit to get to a, and if they play their cards right, if Quinn knows, really knows what he's doing, either you draft to a, or you, or you draft, or you trade down, you know? And okay. But the thing that's worrisome about that is what if we're the team, what if Tua ends up becoming just a Peyton Manning, a Tom Brady, we're the team, we're forever known as the team, just add it to the SOL Lions resume. We're forever known as the team that traded him away. Yeah. That's a tough call. That's why I say I would not be against, you know, drafting to and have him learn from Stafford. Plus, if Stafford goes down, he might be a rookie, but the kid can play if he's healthy. Yeah, yeah, you can look at it as like a an Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre type thing. Exactly. You know, a Steve Young, Joe Montana type thing. Bring this kid in. You know, if if he goes to a team where he's expected to start from day one, I think maybe that's going to be some trouble. It that's, seems you know the Dolphins might try and keep Fitzpatrick or something like that, but. You know, Stafford's the guy. If if he's on the team, unless they pull some wild trade and trade Matt Stafford, which isn't going to happen, Stafford's the starter from day one if he's healthy. So Tua can come in knowing that, learn the NFL, learn learn the offense and everything, get healthy. 
you know, I, I think that's it wouldn't be bad. But right, if the Redskins, you know, it seems like Burrow's probably going to go number one to the Bengals, and if the Redskins don't take Chase Young, you you have to think there's going to be some teams. If Chase Young's available at three, and if the Lions really don't want to draft him, there's some teams that would give up a lot to draft Chase Young. You would think. Yeah. Okay, so we're all three of us are GMs hypothetically. We're co-GMs for the Lions. I bring you into a room. I, I, I this is my sales pitch. Jerry Judy, we're drafting him at number three. We have him, Marvin Jones, Kenny Galladay, the best receiving core in the league. Then we have Matthew Stafford at quarterback. We have TJ Hawkinson at tight end. We have so many weapons. And and, and then we're also going to add, in the second round, we're going to add either Jonathan Taylor or J.K. Dobbins. You guys are seriously telling me you can't get behind that? It's exciting. I wouldn't be that mad at it. The one thing is at number three, it's kind of like with the Hawkinson thing. Hawkinson might end up being a good pro but how do you draft him at number eight? That's hard to sell. Uh, Judy's probably going to be ridiculous, and it would be if he was the number three receiver. That's a pretty solid receiving core. If you go that route, if you go that route, then you have to make a signing of a decent backup quarterback at that point. I mean, I know Ryan uh, Tannehill. He's a he's a free agent. Uh, I don't know the guy from Miami. What's his name? Fitzpatrick. Yep. He's yep. still hanging around. But you got to have somebody like that, don't you? If you're not going to invest in the O-line and you're not going to try to truly protect Stafford, I mean, it can't be the type of thing where if he gets hurt again, the season's over. Right. <laughs> it's Boy, fun to watch awesome. a healthy Stafford throw the ball to Galladay, Jones, and and uh, Jerry Judy, that's for sure. That'd be fun. The silver stretch, or whatever they used to call it. What did they call it? That was their <laughs> what defense. What are you talking about? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Too, like, Please, Jared, you brought up Jonathan Taylor and, and J.K. Dobbins. I think we all are in agreement that you know, we miss obviously the days of Barry Sanders, but seeing like a consistent run game for the Lions. But they've tried to draft so many running backs, and it just seems like they all end up getting hurt. Like it just seems like such bad luck since Barry Sanders. Yeah. Like even Reggie Bush ended up getting hurt after that thousand-yard running rushing season. Right. Or even take it back further. Remember Javid Best? How awesome he was for about a year, and then he had about twelve concussions. Yep. Yep. Well, I Jerry, mean, you, guys, you guys probably like Kevin Smith. Was really good for a year or two. Ended up blowing out his knee like nine times. Yeah, I remember him. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it just seems like since Barry Sanders, they just haven't been able to like get a good running back for like a good four or five year stretch. Yeah, now let me back up a second too. I said silver stretch, but the offense was the run and shoot with Mouse Davis. I mean, that might not be bad if you bring in uh, Judy and uh, you know just fling that ball all over the place. But you still got to solidify that defense somehow. That was the worst defense in the league, wasn't it? I mean, it, it was up there. So. I mean, that's the thing, like, so with the people who want to draft Chase Young, I, I, he probably will end up being good, but, you know, Jadavion Clowney was supposed to be, like, a home run, and yep. he's been good. He hasn't been, I, I don't think he's been as good as expected, but, so, like, okay, cool, you're going to get some, some sacks from from Chase Young or whatever, but what about that defensive secondary? What about, you know, I know a, a pass rusher would help the secondary, but, so all those three and outs that the defense forces, what if the offense still sucks? Like, then it doesn't matter, right. you know? I honestly almost take the defense. It's, I do think that what we could do is we, with my strategy, we get Judy, we get a running back, we have fifty million in free agency money. Just go out and spend it. And also, I don't know if it's as much we have bad players. I mean, we saw it with Quandre Diggs. He goes to Seattle and has like a hell of a game. The very first game we trade him to Seattle. He's two picks, one of a pick six. I think it's more of strategy. I mean, what what is it? We almost never ever blitzed. Dak Prescott saying that he's never felt more comfortable in a pocket. I, NFL players are NFL players. I think at some point it comes down to how you're using them. If you never, ever blitz anyone, I think that's going to make your defense not very good. I mean, when you're going against Aaron Rodgers and the quarterbacks that are in the NFL who are going to pick you apart. 
well, we're GMs, and we know their defense stinks. And, by the way, an interesting stat, the Lions coaching staff is going to be one of the staffs to coach the Senior Bowl. Who do they have left to coach, number one, right at the moment? <laughs> number two. Joe's Patricia, I guess. I oh. think so, yeah. The Bengals and the Lions are the coaching staffs. But, you know, we are the GMs here, hypothetically. What what do we got to do? Who do we got to bring in as defensive coordinator? Any names that you can think of that maybe come in and kick some ass? Well, the Rams just let Wade Phillips go, and he's you know one he's of the proven, more least. seasoned defensive coordinators in the NFL. I saw that the Lions are going to talk to Brett Bielema, you know mm-hmm. the former Wisconsin head coach. Right. You know I don't know how he'd be as an NFL defensive coordinator. I honestly, this is what. So if I'm putting my my uh, Lions GM hat back on, this is what I'm saying to Patricia. If this is kind of his one year to prove his worth, if you want to say, I'm I'm making him basically defensive coordinator. I'm there you saying, go. We hired you because you're a defensive guy. This is your defense. You know, go ahead and bring in maybe like a defensive assistant or you know something like that. But I'm saying let Bevel run the offense like he did this year. Patricia, you're the head coach, but you're also running the defense. Prove yourself. I like that. Yeah, I, I think he had a lot of his fingerprints on the defense, if we're being honest, this year. I don't know if it all can be – I feel like the defensive coordinator was almost scapegoated in a way. I just – I don't know. I, maybe I'm just I'm too biased toward hating Patricia, so I think maybe my brain is too far gone, to be honest. <laughs> maybe he'll change my mind this year, but I don't see it. Well, one thing I know, they got uh, they got a ways to go, and you know we're going to see what happens in the draft. We know Patricia's coming back as the coach. And uh, we'll just see what it all shakes down. We'll see if they see if they get the line from us. You know, maybe they'll listen to our tips and 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 work on it a little bit. Yeah, I'll be really curious to see. You said it; they're in a great position at that number three with some of the guys that could be available. But Jared also said it. If Bob, I think it was Jared that said it. If Bob <laughs> Quinn knows what he's doing, maybe that's a big question mark too. All right. Well, we're going to get Tony Dombrowski coming up here next. But before we do, just want to tell you: if you're looking for some fun, stop into Rivals Tap House and Grill. That's the official sports bar of Three Point Podcast. Weekends are really hot over there. You can cheer on the Spartans, Wolverines, Red Wings, and Pistons. Over 20 high-def TVs, awesome food and drink. Come on in on Thursdays for their weekly Opinionation show. It's similar to Family Feud with great prizes, and the best part, it's free. Rivals Tap House and Grill in Corona. And everybody likes a great deal, right? Well, go online to SheridanAuctionService.com for info on upcoming auctions. The auction house is packed with all kinds of great items. They have an online auction underway ending January 14th with Amazon returns and overstock and other auction and household flooring items. Stay up to date by checking their website at SheridanAuctionService.com. Sign up for their email notifications or call Troy Crow at 989-720-SELL for other details. All right, we are now joined by a special guest, uh, Tony Dombrowski. I actually first met, or not met him, but saw him on Twitter a few weeks ago when I was first introduced to him, and I said, we got to get this guy on the show. Finally, somebody who might have the same viewpoints as me as the young gun on the show, <laughs> but he's the host of the Trash Talk show on 88.3 FM WXOU, also the co-host of the Aggressively Speaking podcast, and probably where most people know him from is from his daily videos on Detroit Sports and just Michigan State, Michigan, any sort of team in, in the Michigan area, you're going to want to watch his videos, and that's how I know him. So, Tony, how's it going tonight? It's great. Thanks for uh, inviting me onto your podcast. Um, looking forward to being here and talking with you guys today. Uh, I am too, but there's one thing I think I need to get out of the way first, and that's that you are a huge Luke Kennard fan, which just uh, makes uh, no sense listen, to me. Man, I think he's Luke Kennard, he's a, he's a goat, man. <laughs> well, Brett, tell us why. Why do, why yeah, do you think he's a goat? Luke Kennard 
is someone who took a lot of slack when he was first drafted here because, you know, the Pistons passed on Donovan Mitchell. And while that is obviously bad for the Pistons that they ended up passing on Donovan Mitchell, I'm not here to compare which one is better. It's obviously Donovan Mitchell. But I don't think Luke Kennard's that bad either. I mean, right now before the injury, he's averaging 16 points a game. He's not a bad player. Despite popular belief that people say he's a complete butt, complete trash, he's not complete trash. I'll defend that man for at, for a long, long time. Luke Kennard's my man. He does not deserve some of the slander that he gets. So what That's is it with the Pistons? the most Pistons talk right there that we've had almost this whole NBA season. <laughs> Obviously, we've been talking a lot of college football and NFL and stuff mm-hmm. like that, but we haven't gotten a whole lot into the Pistons or the NBA. But So let me just – you kind of started getting into it there. What, what's going on with the Pistons right now? Obviously, you kind of said, like, the injuries. And, you know, news came out today that Blake Griffin, he might go and get season-ending knee surgery, yeah. which yeah. would be just a huge blow to the Pistons. They're shopping Andre Drummond. They've got a great coach, and they've got some young pieces like Kennard and some other guys. I don't, kind of where do you see the Pistons right now? Where do they go? Is it a rebuild, or what do you think? So I don't know how much Lions football you guys talk in the podcast, but you know the big thing with the Lions of half, half the fan base is that you know people like to blame the injuries or whatnot. The Lions, you can't really blame the injuries when everyone else has injuries around the league, and they still – are successful throughout the season. The Pistons, on the other hand, if you wanted to legit blame the injuries, you could. Because if this team was healthy, I legitimately do think they would be way better than what their record shows. But unfortunately, when you build a roster that's filled with a bunch of injured little players like a Blake Griffin, like a D. Rose, this is what you kind of mess around with, and that possibility of having all these guys injured at once at the same time, you know. It's been a really frustrating injury real season for the Pistons so far. And, you know, before he got to the new year, I was on team be patient with this basketball team, maybe wait to see if we could get Blake back healthy, see if we could get D-Rose back healthy, Reggie Jackson, Luke Kennard, so on and so forth, and if just see what we could do with this team healthy. But now that we are in the new year, 2020, we are getting much closer to the trade deadline on February 6th, I believe. We've now gotten to a point of this basketball team where it's kind of a lost cause. You know, Blake Griffin, obviously, as you mentioned, um, at the time of talking to you guys earlier this morning, it was announced that he's considering season-ending knee surgery. Obviously, Reggie Jackson, no one knows what's going on with his injury, unfortunately. Luke Kennard has a messed up knee now, too. He's been out for a while. I mean, it's a complete mess. And like I said, it's gone to a point where I, I don't think there's any going back now. They're at that point in the season where they have to probably start to look at selling off pieces, like an Andre Drummond, like maybe a Langston Galloway, maybe just maybe a Derrick Rose. You know, that's where the Pistons are at this point of the season. And when your owner makes comments that kind of, point towards a rebuild, and you also get the Andre Drummond trade rumors, that's kind of the cloud that's going to hang over your franchise now, you know. Because of this injury riddle frustrating season, and with where with they sit today, we have to talk about them possibly selling on the trade deadline, which my personal opinion is the absolute right way to go, but nonetheless, we'll 
see what happens here within the next month or so. Where do you stand on Drummond uh, as a player? Do you think it's time? Obviously, you're talking about unloading players. Uh, mm-hmm. His time has come, right? And what what can you get for him? So, Andre Drummond is a player who I don't want to say he's kind of like Matthew Stafford because he's not, but I make that comparison from the standpoint of he's someone who those are two players who I feel like sometimes don't get the respect they sometimes deserve. Like, obviously, Matthew Stafford's on a different level than anyone in the city, but Andre Drummond is a player who people like to hate on for the simple reason of just to hate on Andre Drummond. I'm someone who understands that Andre Drummond is the best rebounder in the NBA. He's one of the best defensive big men in the NBA, and he would be a valuable piece to a championship team. However... With the way this Pistons team is constructed, with where the cap is right now, and where the NBA is going, where you need your big men to shoot, and Andre obviously can't shoot the basketball, even with everything I just said, I don't think he's a player I would pay the amount of money he'll be asking for this offseason, which will be a max contract. That's just me, and I know a lot of other diehard Pistons fans on Twitter will agree with that statement. So if you're not going to pay Andre Drummond in the offseason – He's opting out this offseason. He's made that very clear over the past couple of months. If you're going to sell the trade deadline and you know Andre's going to walk out the door, why wouldn't you explore getting something over nothing for him? Even if the return is a bag of chips, at least it's something over nothing. Because if you run the risk of doing a Charlotte Hornets, Kemba Walker situation where you just watch your all-star player walk out the door for nothing, then you know, you're kind of screwed. If the Pistons can get, uh, let's say, first-round lottery-protected draft pick and expiring contract for Andre, that's something to build for the future for a player who was walking out the door anyway. So I kind of hope that answers your question. Yep. Before we get too deep into the Lions or the Pistons, for somebody like Ted, who's about 75 years old, hey is very comfortable on social media and Twitter, how would you kind of explain how you became you know, kind of what you are today with your videos and what it is that you do. Yeah, so obviously social media has grown a lot in <laughs> the past decade now. And, um, you know, it all started for me back before I started my freshman year of college at Oak University in the summer of 2017. I wanted to start a sports talk podcast. So I reached out to two of my closest friends to this day, Trey Frank and John Mitchell, and if we got together, had this whole plan figured out, and we were going to start a podcast. But before we started it, it was my buddy Troy who recommended to me we should probably start an audience before we start this thing. So he was the one who recommended the Twitter videos. So the very next day, I got home, um, and I made the video that's pinned to the top of my Twitter this day, where it was just a little nervous old Tony sitting in his basement and talking about, like, yeah, you know, I have diversity. I want to, you know, go into sports broadcasting or whatever, and I want to make, like, Twitter videos talking about the latest news and whatnot in sports. And about two and a half years later, here I am today with um, just about over 4.5 thousand followers. So it's been a grind over these past couple of years, there's no doubt about that, but uh, this is something I've always dreamed of doing, you know, being able to talk sports, cover the sports teams I grew up loving, and 
you know, the fact that people each and every day get on to Twitter to see my opinion on certain things, that's some of the stuff that drives me, you know. So, um, like I said, it's been a grind, but it's been so much fun to do over these past couple of years and something that I'm going to keep on doing as long as I can. Was there one video that sort of burst you onto the scene, or has it just been a slow, consistent grow? So, I'll answer your question in two ways. First of all, I will say this. I think just doing the grind and making videos every single day throughout the past two and a half years has really helped me grow because I don't personally like taking days off. Even if there's absolutely nothing going on, I like to post a video talking about something because that's just who I am. That constant grind of making video, 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 video every single day of every single week of every single month has really helped me out. But there have definitely been some videos over the past couple of years that have popped, and because they popped, I just absolutely exploded in the follower counts and gained a bunch of followers, you know. Uh, a few videos that come to mind that are my personal favorite include when the Lions signed Trey Flowers. Um, I was very excited that they signed Trey Flowers, believe it or not, because um, he was someone that I always thought would make sense for the Lions, and when they signed him, I was I showed general emotion in the video. You know, that's kind of where the let's go thing started. So that was pretty cool. That video popped off. When the Pistons signed D-Rose, I also thought that was a general emotion video because I've always been a Derrick Rose fan um, back when he was with the Chicago Bulls. So to see him come to Detroit was pretty cool. Uh, those are just a few videos that come to mind that really popped off positively. But there have also been a few videos that have popped off from a negative standpoint. <laughs> uh, and what I mean by that is obviously the Lions getting jobbed by the officials, whether it would be against the Atlanta Falcons a couple of years ago or the Green Bay Packers this past season. You know, those videos where I go in front of the camera and I'm just absolutely livid, those also pop off. So like I said, from a negative standpoint, kind of. So to answer your question again, um, I just think the constant grind has really helped me, but also there have been a few videos here and there that just, you know, exploded and really um, helped people get my attention. Well, you know, I think the ones where you go off when the teams that we follow so closely, and obviously, you know, we're in a tough down cycle for most of our pro teams, but when you immediately make a video after a loss, I think that's when you're at your best. That's my, that's me speaking to you here, and I, I get a big kick out of how passionate you are and recording from your car studio. I, mean, I love it. <laughs> yeah, the car, the Renegade is... <laughs> It's a staple of mine. You know, whenever people, like, meet me out in public, they always kind of ask me about, like, oh, is this, like, the infamous car that you make your videos in? I'm like, yeah, this is the one. <laughs> and um, at first, I used to just go to my car to literally scream and yell and whatnot. But now I'll just go to my car from the simple standpoint of, uh, you know what, screw it. Let's uh, go make a car video because people enjoy when I go to my car, believe it or not. <laughs> So, yeah, the Renegade, it's probably the most famous Renegade in the country, but I'm absolutely here for it. Well, it works well, and it also, you know, it's kind of a, a good sound in there. It's quiet, and, uh, you know, you, I assume you're putting the phone on the dash, so it all works. Absolutely. I'm putting it, I kind of hold it right in front of the steering wheel. So <laughs> it's got nice, uh, kind of like a hand rest, if you know, because of the steering wheel right behind it. And, uh, 
Yeah, it's got a good view of my face and my uh, driver's seat. It's awesome. Well, uh, Tony, let's get into a little lion talk here uh, before we move on to another topic. You know, one of our things we're getting into tonight is if uh, Martha Ford fired everybody and named one of us general manager, put your general manager hat on for the Lions. What what are the three things you would do? So if I took her over as GM of the Lions, oh boy. Well, first of all, I'd probably can Matt Patricia launch him into the sun. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Matt Patricia is someone who I personally did not want back next season along with Bob Quinn, but obviously we know how that ended up. In all seriousness, though, like the first free agency move I would probably make. I don't know. Honestly, I haven't looked too much at the free agent market, so I can't unfortunately give you guys a specific name. But um, you'd shore them up though uh, with some free agents. Yeah. So like the Lions are going to have over fifty million cap space. If I could address that somehow hypothetically on the defensive side of the ball, I think that would be a big plus because you know. We just saw a wild card weekend of the NFL in which all four teams that won did it because of their defense. You know, obviously the quarterbacks made some big plays too, like Deshaun Watson in the uh, Texans Bills game and whatnot. But the defenses also in all four wild card games were huge. And obviously, what was the biggest flaw for the Lions last year, arguably? The defense. So I would try to spend that money on the defensive side of the ball for sure. While for the draft, listen, we've got four months to kind of speculate what the Lions going to do with that third overall pick. Matt Miller of Bleacher Report uh, reported last week that the Lions were looking at Derrick Brown out of Auburn, uh, Jeff Okuda of Ohio State, and they could also be looking at trading down. Me personally, right now, I'm starting to lead towards trading down. Like, Katua um, Tagovailoa obviously just declared for the draft earlier today. The Lions don't need a quarterback. So if you could call up like a Miami Dolphins or a Los Angeles Chargers and say, hey, listen, if you want to give me the fifth or sixth pick along with an extra second or whatnot, you want to flip spots so you can take your quarterback, we get an extra pick, we can uh, do a little I'll scratch your back, you scratch mine kind of thing, you know. But even though the Lions keep the third pick, they're going to get a really, really good player whether they take Jeff Okuda out of Ohio State, uh, Derek Brown, or even a guy like Isaiah Simmons out of Clemson. You know, they are going to get a stud regardless if they're picking third, fifth, sixth, or whatever. So Ted was talking about, or, or he mentioned, the, the kind of rough patch that we're in right now with our Detroit pro teams. And, yeah, yeah it, it's a pretty rough patch right now. Jared, you went in the intro and he introed you. He mentioned that you're more in his – Generation, so you you guys weren't around the last Lions playoff win, or you know you didn't really see that. No, yeah, that Red Wings dynasty through the '90s or the Bad Boys, you know, some of those like glory year type things. Yeah. How do you feel right now? What's the sense of the state of Detroit sports right now? What team do you honestly think? Not just your fan, you know, not the fandom. What team do you honestly think is the closest to becoming a champion? I'll say this. The last championship I saw in Detroit sports was when the Wings won the Cup in 08. Just to kind of give you guys perspective of what I'm kind of living with here. It's been a hot minute since I've seen, or since we've all seen, a Detroit sports team win a championship, you know? You know, to answer your question, yeah, it's pretty rough right now. I mean, a lot of people nationally like to 
make jokes about how every single team at one point um, throughout this season was literally in last place in their division. But, I mean, it's the absolute truth. I mean, you have the Tigers, last place in the Central. Uh, the Wings are far and away the worst team in hockey. The Lions forget about it. And the Pistons, when it's all said and done, uh, they're probably going to be a bottom six or seven team as well, you know. It's really rough right now. There's no question about that. But I tweeted this out this past Christmas Eve. While it looks really bad now, things are going to be looking up for Detroit sports in just a few short months because you look at what we're looking at in April through, like, June-ish here. There's a real possibility in Detroit sports we could have – well, we will have the number one pick of the MLB draft. That's obviously established now. Uh, We'll have the number three pick with the Lions in the NFL draft. We could realistically have maybe a top five, six, seven pick for the Pistons, which would be pretty exciting. But also the Red Wings, you know, there's a really good chance they could, and I say could because of that stupid draft lottery, but could get the number one pick in the NHL draft and get Alexis Lafreniere, who is an absolute generational-type prospect. That's really exciting to look forward to, but for right now to be able to – uh, go through the pain that we're going through right now, it sucks. But uh, to also answer your second question here of which team has, like, the highest upside, if you will, I definitely think you got to go with the Red Wings because, uh, first of all, you look at the other three teams that they're competing with. I mean, the Lions, uh, do you trust management to really turn this thing around? I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, Tigers, kind of the same thing. Do you really trust Alan Dillon to turn this around? Me, personally, I don't. I know a lot of other people don't as well, but we'll see there. And while the Pistons while the Pistons are kind of showing signs of turning it around, put your money where your mouth is, okay? Dog is cheap sometimes. Until they actually blow this thing up, that's when people will probably start to take the Pistons seriously, if you will. But as for the Red Wings, first of all, they have that no other team in this city has, which is a top-five GM in the sport. I mean, Steve Eisenman, him being here is huge for the Red Wings and their rebuild. But, you know, also the Red Wings, they can sell hope to the fans because they have young pieces up in Detroit already, guys like um, Larkin and Little Bird and Phillips Adina, you know. They have young guys down in Grand Rapids like uh, Mo Sider, their first pick last year. Uh, Joe Valeno, et cetera, et cetera. And also, like I just said with the Red Wings, there's a real chance they could get the number one pick. Will they get the number one pick and um, eventually get Alexis Lafreniere? I don't know. That's, this is why I hate the draft lottery in both the uh, NBA and NHL. The fate of your franchise gets put on lottery balls. I, I, I hate that whole premise, but that's either here or there. The fact is that the Wings could have... Alexis Lafreniere in the wheel next season and beyond, which would just be huge. So, to answer your question, I would definitely say the Red Wings have the brightest upside. But again, things will be looking up very soon for all four of our sports teams, hopefully. I got one final question for you, Tony. Uh, you're at Oakland U, but uh, where, where, where do your loyalties lie when it comes to the Big Ten? Michigan or Michigan State? So, like, uh, it's, it's funny because my mom is a diehard Michigan fan. Um, you know, she grew up watching Tom Brady and um, the glory days of Michigan football, if you will. 
but I grew up a state fan, believe it or not. So, um, yeah, I, I hate Michigan with every bone in my body. <laughs> Michigan football, uh, Michigan basketball. Well, actually, I shouldn't say I hate Michigan basketball. I respect Michigan basketball. I, I don't want to sound like I'm tooting my own horn here, but I do know a couple players on the team, you know, uh, I respect Michigan basketball simply because of John Beeline. He's someone I've always respected. So I wouldn't say I, I – wouldn't, I wouldn't even say I dislike Michigan basketball. I have a healthy rivalry with them, if you will. But Michigan football, on the other hand, I just flat out can't stand them. I can't stand Jim Harbaugh. can't stand anything that goes on in that program. Every single year when Michigan State plays them, I just hope we absolutely curb stomp them. I got one more question for you. So we're both in college. I go to Grand Valley. You go to Oakland. And January 6th today marked marked the day that we returned back to school. So how much does it suck going back to school? (laughs) It absolutely sucks. You know, um, I actually completed the first day of an online class that I'm doing as one of my classes this semester. And, man, it absolutely sucks. You know, all the readings I had to do today, just five hours of work. I, I, I hate it. I absolutely hate it, man. But the grind will be worth it one day when I'm walking across that stage, you and me both. There you go. All right, Tony. Hey, we really appreciate the time. And, uh, you know, you know, you took time out of your studying schedule. So we do appreciate that. And it's been a lot of fun. Hopefully we can uh, catch up with you down the road. Tell our listeners one time uh, where the best way is to follow you. So first of all, I, I would like to thank you guys again for having me on the podcast. Uh, means a lot for you guys to reach out to me, and it also means a lot for you guys to say the things you did about my videos and whatnot. But um, you can follow me on Twitter at Tony Dabrowski. That's at Tony D O M B R O W S K I. As was mentioned in the intro, I do have a radio show, Trash Talk with Tony Dabrowski on eighty-eight point three FM WXOU. That airs um, each and every Wednesday from one to three p.m. But also, I am the co-host of a new podcast, Aggressively Speaking. It's actually kind of funny because in my original spiel about how I got started on Twitter and how I reached out to my buddies, uh, Troy Frank and John Mitchell, about starting a podcast, we eventually did start a podcast a couple weeks ago. So Aggressively Speaking with me, Troy, and John, um, new episode will be coming out soon this week. Yeah. uh, We'll be sure to check it out. Yeah. Thanks, guys. All right, Tony. All right, guys, let's finish up the podcast with some potpourri. It was always good uh, catching up with a special guest like Tony. He's <laughs> Check out his Twitter site. It's, it's hilarious. Take my word for it. I think we'll all vouch for that. It's funny and, and well done. All right, uh, Jared, I bet you've been waiting to talk about uh, Michigan State and Michigan in basketball, huh? <laughs> yeah. It, I don't know. So there's something I'm workshopping right now. If you guys remember. Cassius Winston hits that corner step back three, just an absolute jaw, black breaking, jaw dropping three. And what I actually did when he made that is I switched the channel. I was done watching the game. So I'm workshopping a name for what this would be called. I, I don't know if it's like a channel switcher, uh, a remoter. I don't know. Let me, so that's just something I've kind of, that's in the back pocket that will soon be trademarked phrase because that's exactly like a- what he did. Like when someone says someone hit like the nail in the coffin, you're saying like Cassius Winston hit. A channel turner? Yeah, a channel changer. Uh, it's something along those lines. So I'm workshopping that one. Channel flashback. But, yeah, channel, uh, channel. I don't know if that's a good That's probably, you know, but, you know, along those lines. <laughs> yeah, but so I'm just saying, so get your guys' brains churning. That's something that we need to trademark as a podcast. That's something I'm working on. All right. But the thing that really bothered me is, man, Cassius Winston, he just owns Michigan. 
the last three games, I mean, putting up 25-plus, a career-high 30 32. in the most recent one, and, and, and 32. And, and what kind of bothered me the most is that everyone's kind of saying, oh, the Xavier Simpson versus Cassius Winston, like, this is a legendary matchup. Enjoy it while you can. I don't know if I view it that way. I, I mean, we're all Michigan fans. We all love Xavier Simpson. But Cassius Winston, man, he's just kind of dominated Michigan for the last two years. I, I don't know how you can say that they're like a – they're good. They're a good. They're like Magic and Bird. They're not. It's just Cassius Winston's head and shoulders above anyone else on the court. The last four times these two teams have played, it's <laughs> embarrassing. This is way before your time. It's more like Antoine Gilbert and Scott Skiles. <laughs> Skiles used to eat him up. I mean, if if you were gonna pick one of those players, who would you rather have on the team, Simpson or uh, Winston? I mean, it's Winston. I don't, I don't know how you could argue. Hands I mean, down. I know that a lot of the times Winston is scoring is because he gets a million ball screens. And, and stuff like that, but but at some point you just got to think Xavier Simpson, man, how does he not just like button down and say I'm going to lock this guy down? I don't care if I don't score, I'm going to lock him down. It just has to happen. I kind of keep waiting on that to happen, but I just don't think he can. He's just not good enough, and it's hard it's hard to say that, but it's just the truth. That's the thing that's crazy is Xavier Simpson. I mean, this isn't fandom coming out. He's an elite defender. He's one of the best on-ball defenders in in the country, not just the Big Ten. And, yeah, Cassius Winston, I mean, you you hear over and over and over, almost like to try and take a knock on the guy. Like people always talk about how unathletic he is. You know, he's obviously very athletic. He's an extremely good basketball player. But I get what people are trying to say. But he is that guy that can just, like, get to his spot. And, you know, they obviously use, like, the pick and roll, and they set ball screens a lot really well. And it's impressive watching him play because he doesn't have that, like, crazy Russell Westbrook type speed or you know he's not he's not necessarily like a high flyer like he's not dunking the ball and stuff like that but I mean he makes crazy shots and the biggest thing to me is he's just like a leader you know like you can see that when he starts rolling that whole team just like follows behind him and yeah, it's impressive to watch, even if you're not a Spartan fan. Yeah, he, he's tremendous. And Simpson, I do love him. I mean, I love the way he plays. He plays with grit, but the poor guy just can't shoot. You know, he, he can he can do the little running hook, and he does layups well, and he plays great defense, but, man, he just can't shoot. That's what's, Oh, yeah, that, that's what's crazy is he, he was, you know, like Mr. Basketball in Ohio, and he used to score. He was a great scorer in high school. So somewhere, I don't know if it was a confidence thing or what, but he, like, lost a shot or whatever you want to say but uh, being a scorer is a little different than being a shooter though right no yeah 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 but he was even a better shooter was he in in high school too and that's what's crazy and that's the thing like he obviously like can score if you want to say that but when he's like a score first point guard which seems like what he's been trying to do especially now like you said Jared, they're they're teeing up all these games like simpson versus winston seems like that actually kind of hurts michigan a little bit but when simpson kind of like just runs the offense sets guys up, you know, on the pick and roll with Teske or, you know, sets guys up to shoot threes. It seems like that's when Michigan's at their best. But when he kind of becomes like a score-first guy, you know, it doesn't really go that well. Well, did you guys see this coming? I mean, it's been, it actually has been a pretty good stretch for MSU sports when we're talking football and basketball. Yeah, they won their last two regular season games in football against Maryland and Rutgers, but, you know, they did win a bowl game. D'Antonio kind of quieted things down a little bit with another winning record. And, you know, a lot of that negativity's gone away a little bit. Now we'll see what they do in the offseason in football. But, uh, you know, and then winning that basketball game out of the gates impressively, it's got to be pretty good to be a Spartan fan right at the moment. Yeah. I, 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 my, me personally, I was shocked when I saw that Michigan State was a 10-point favorite going into this game. I thought there's no way in hell. 
I, I would I wouldn't have been shocked. I would have been more shocked if Michigan State had beat Michigan by ten than if Michigan had just won the game outright. Did you lose any and, money on it? I, uh, I did. <laughs> uh, we don't need to disclose how much it was. No, we don't. Uh, but it, but I did. <laughs> so the, the thing I just don't understand is, man, one thing that I did think was kind of funny is that if you if you listen to the pregame. Uh, like interviews leading up to the game is that Jawan Howard said, "Hey, like I, I want to play in this game so bad. I love this rivalry. Like I'm trying to get my eligibility back." <laughs> so, do you guys think that if Jawan Howard, let's say that in a fictitious world, Jawan Howard had been able to suit up as he currently is, like a 40 year old man, do you think that we might have won, had a better shot at winning this game if he's playing on the court than if he was actually coaching? <laughs> I, I think so. I mean, it's obviously hilarious. He's you know, an older guy. He's like 40, 45, uh, isn't he? You know, I think he would have because I, he has like a tenacity that I, I tweeted out a couple times and I was going to bring up in this discussion. He has like a tenacity and aggressiveness, whatever you want to say, that I feel like Michigan has been lacking for a little while. You know, Michigan State, obviously, 20 years plus with Izzo, that's one thing they've always hung their hat on is like a toughness down low, offensive rebounding, block shots, just tough rebounding, you know, post play. And it seems like Michigan just kind of lacks that. Even I, I like John Teske a lot. He's really skilled. He can shoot. It bothers the hell out of me that he doesn't dunk the ball. Like he'll Simpson will set him up on a perfect pick and roll, or he'll get he maybe he will actually get an offensive rebound, and he just tries to lay it up. And you got Xavier Tillman, or like last year Kenny Goins, you, you know these Michigan State post players just blocking him all the time. And whereas you see Tillman's throwing the ball down, or these other guys, Gabe Brown is trying to end people's lives with the dunks that he's trying to throw down. And you know, I don't know if I, I know Beeline was more of a finesse type of coach with his big guys. You know, I would think that Juwan's starting to coach like a toughness. You know, he played so long in the NBA. But that that's one thing that I notice. I don't know if you guys kind of see it. Jared, or Ted, you've been watching Michigan State for a long time. Yeah. You know, like, they just always seem to have a different kind of toughness down low. And that that's one thing that stands out to me. Yeah, and I mean, that, that goes right to Izzo. You started to talk about that at the beginning. That's, that's how he coaches them. That's what he wants. You know, they're not always the best skilled players in the Big Ten, but they are tough down low, and they're always good rebounders. And there's a lot to be said about teams that rebound the rock, man. They're going to win yeah. more often than not. One thing that I – a couple positives that I think we can draw from this game as, as Michigan fans is is that at least they didn't quit, I guess. I mean, <laughs> for a, they basically went down 10 right out the gate, and they – fought for basically, you know, 35 minutes until Michigan State kind of pulled away at the end. Um, and also, one another thing that I thought was kind of telling is Xavier Tillman and Cassius Winston said after the game that Juwan Howard basically complimented them middle of the game, and you could just tell that they were over the moon at the fact that he said that. I think that that kind of just speaks to how well Juwan Howard's going to be able to recruit at Michigan. And I know we've already just got another four-star uh, center, or power forward, I believe, that coming to Michigan next year, so... That's one other positive, and the final one is this. Steven Izzo came in at the end of the game, and I was very nervous that he was going to score on Michigan. And we would have never heard the end of that. So the one positive we did is that he did not shoot and that he did not score on Michigan. We, yeah. That would have been program ending. He dribbled but, it out. Yep, that was good. If little man Izzo came in and banged down a three, it would have been in the season. I was just going to, before we move on, I was going to say real quick, I don't know if you guys remember, but, you know, Jared, you were talking about the uh, Simpson versus Winston matchup, how it's kind of like a one-on-one -on -one type thing that they've been saying the last few years. So I, I thought I remembered, and I, I looked it up quick while we were talking, in the 2017-18 season, so now two years ago, when Michigan beat Michigan State twice that year, 
I kind of what kind of started this rivalry was that Simpson got the better of him in those two games. So it's now two years ago, but in those two games that Michigan won. Cassius Winston didn't do very well. He had a bunch of turnovers. He only scored 11 points in one game, 11 points in the second game. Um, yeah, a bunch of turnovers, didn't hit any threes. And Simpson actually scored 15 and 16. So I think that's kind of what started it is, you know, that that was like the start of the rivalry. Simpson actually looked like he maybe got the better of Winston, but I would say that Winston's kind of turned it around the last couple of years. Yeah, and I think he's going to have another one of those tremendous years and He'll be in contention for Player of the Year too if things continue on. Am I am I am I wrong in thinking that we're, we've been kind of waiting for the Xavier Simpson? I'm going to shut down Cassius Winston game, and and now I think it's snowballed to the point where he Cassius Winston owns Xavier Simpson so much he's inside his head that much that it's that it's not even possible now. Like like man, I how much how awesome would it be to come in here and talk and say hey, like Cassius Winston was held to 13 points on like 35 percent shooting. Like, but this is never going to happen again to Michigan. He owns Michigan. It appears that way. You know, it's hard to argue. It, yeah, he he plays. His, I mean, he he plays great a lot of games, but it seems like he plays his best games against Michigan. But I, I just I, he's a great one-on-one player. They do such a good job of like picking roles and doing different kind of things that just that help him out. They they get Simpson caught up in screams and stuff like that because you can't take anything away from Simpson. He's still an elite defender, but. Winston kind of takes it to him. Yeah, and I'm, you know, I'm not going to throw this out there as a, a whiner reason why, but it it would have made a little bit of a difference if Livers was healthy and played. You know, we might have seen a little bit different result as well. Isn't it funny how when you're watching the coverage, you would have thought that Livers was like Michael Jordan? <laughs> They're handing him on the bench every like few minutes. Right, like, he's just a role. He's like he's just another starter. Yeah, I mean, just, I know that he leads us in scoring, but he's a decent he's player. Just, he's a decent. Yeah, he's player. a good player, but yeah. All right, let's wrap this podcast up, boys. Uh, you know, get away from Michigan stuff a little bit, and let's get to the college football playoffs. First of all, the question I have is: stick with the four, or do you think it's time for eight? I don't think. I mean, from what we saw, just the amount of blowouts we kind of had, uh, especially just like when you look at the Oklahoma game, that's the number four seed. And I think if we expanded it, like we kind of talked about a few weeks ago, it's just it's going to be similar results where it's just going to be a few more blowout games. Ultimately leading to, th- I mean, the college football landscape was three good teams this year. Right. Three teams head and shoulders above everybody else. Alabama, if they have Tua, they're the fourth team, but they didn't. And, and that just kind of shows you that I don't think that adding it to eight would have really made it that much more entertaining to us. Well, I know, you know, LSU just blew out Oklahoma for sure. Joe Burrow had maybe the best college football game at a quarterback position I think I've ever seen. But I'm, a, I'm of the opinion that that blowout was – it would have it would have probably happened any way you slice it as long as you had Oklahoma play in LSU no matter what but if you had eight teams you may have had a different matchup there or you or you know you know you would still have some pretty good games I don't know I still think eight's the number yeah I still definitely think eight's the number this was a year that didn't do uh, justice to trying to expanding the playoff with the blowout with you know Oklahoma at four. But yeah, you you would get maybe some matchups that would wouldn't allow that. I think LSU maybe is on a different level this year, but you might get some matchups that would cause some upsets or something like well, that. Well, the, the the other thing too that I I think maybe bugs us all. I thought I, th- I thought I saw Jared post something. Wasn't it weird to have the college football playoff on Saturday and then you got the bowl games coming up on on Wednesday? It just it just seemed weird that you had the top four teams go at it 
And then you got Michigan playing in the Citrus Bowl and the Rose yeah. Bowl. You know, I don't I don't know if I like that schedule like yeah, that. Yeah, I've always thought that the college football playoff should always be the last games played. The college football playoff and the championship should be the last games played every year. Right. And whenever – usually it rotates between the games being on New Year's Day. Sometimes they're on New Year's Eve. Sometimes they're the Saturday before like they were this year. I just think it always should be New Year's Day that these games are played personally. Yeah, I mean the biggest things that come into that are there is tradition, you know, whether whether it's the same as it used to be or not, the Rose Bowl, there's the tradition of the, the parade and that game being on New Year's Day. People still love the tradition of some of these bowls, but the biggest thing is TV. I mean, right. they're not going to put the college football playoff on on like a random Thursday day, Thursday night or something like that, or they're not going to put them on a Sunday to go up against the NFL, or they're definitely not going to put them on a Saturday or Sunday against NFL playoffs. I saw a few posts out there that they thought New Year's Day, you run the first playoff game at 1, you do the Rose Bowl at the normal time, and then run the second playoff game for the night game. Right, yeah, that would definitely be a possibility, but I think like the tradition of some of those other bowls comes into play with right. you know, the Citrus Bowl and stuff. I, that, that's just what I've heard some people say. I think the biggest thing is just TV. It's Absolutely. the TV contracts and stuff like that Yeah, and not wanting to go up against the NFL. There's no doubt about it. That's the deal. So we got LSU and Clemson. Clemson, <laughs> Clemson, Ohio State, man, that was a heck of a game. And I, I think I know where you guys stand on this. Let me throw it out there at you. I'm watching it at home with my wife, and – she was, she was. I'm not, I'm not gonna lie. She was cheering for Ohio State. She was rooting for Ohio State, and I'm just sitting there quietly. And finally, I said, "Honey, what are you really rooting for Ohio State?" And she, and she goes, "Well, yeah, I mean, it makes Michigan look better, the Big Ten. I said, "Listen, you'll never hear me say I'm rooting for Ohio State." Now, if they would have won the game, fine. But I'm sitting there pretty neutral. There is no way I was rooting for them, and it didn't break my heart to see them lose. I'll tell you that right now. See, it's crazy. I, I, I was talking to some friends, like a group text that I know I've brought up on this podcast before, but talk about that game a lot. And they were saying the same thing. They, you know, they're all Michigan fans. No way in hell they would ever root for Ohio State. And they were flabbergasted that I, I was rooting for Ohio State because I cannot stand Dabo Sweeney that much. <laughs> I don't know if it's because I live down here now and, you know, I'm, I'm in with a bunch of – I live near – where Clemson is, all their fans, and hearing their like local media and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> I cannot stand Dabo Sweeney. I think he's shady. It seems very shady for him to turn Clemson around that easily into like they're just a dynasty that looks like they're going to roll more than Alabama. I, I just can't stand Dabo Sweeney. So I was actually rooting for Ohio State. I can respect that opinion. I personally like Dabo Sweeney not as much as, you know, everyone seems to be in love with him and want him as their dad, kind of, it seems like, on Twitter. I can respect that opinion because when you say that, you're going to get so much hate for that because Dabo Sweeney, everyone loves him. They all see the great videos, the pump-up speeches, the post-game presser where he's talking about, you know, just the team in general. Everyone loves him, so I can respect that you stand on that kind of island basically entirely alone. I, uh, I wouldn't say I entirely say alone. I, th- I think he's kind of a snake oil salesman, and, you know, I, I don't... I think all college football coaches are, though. Well, I don't think it's, like, I just think everyone is, eh, you know? That's fair, I guess. I, I think the the one difference, at least, that I see in, like, hearing some stuff down here that people talk about, I'm, I'm sure you could hear it anywhere. It's not just down here, but... The, the snake oil salesman thing also goes through with this whole sales pitch around religion and God and stuff like that. Uh-huh. He talks about, 
you know, glory to God, and that that's fine to talk about and everything like that, but he uses that as, like, his recruiting tool. Like, Trevor Lawrence even said that one of the main reasons he went to Clemson was because Dabo Sweeney was building his program around church and God and stuff like that. And there's supposed to be a separation. And the, the fact that he, you know, there, there's a lot of rumors and a lot of even there's, there's some like paper trail to him, like filtering money through the church to recruits. So it seems like he's very smart, I guess, in using down here in the South, it's a very Bible belt and everything down here. People love to hear him talk about God and everything. And he can hide that money that he's given to recruits by filtering it through the church seems really shady to me. Hope he didn't filter it through Joel Osteen. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I, I, it's kind of funny. A lot of coaches, yeah, like Dabo Sweeney, the whole church thing. I know John Calipari, one of his things is he's big in, in religion too. He goes to church every single day, which is kind of wild. Every I day? I imagine that's so boring. No I don't kidding. know how he does it. Wow. Yeah, that probably changes your opinion, doesn't it? That, that changes uh, it a little bit. If he goes to church every day, wow. That's impressive. See, the recruiting pitch is working on, on, on people, Matt. See? Uh, so here's so the thing with Ohio State versus Clemson, who I'm rooting for, I actually was rooting for Ohio State, and I was kind of devastated when how they lost. Just how they lost, you never want to see, I mean, Chris Olave, somebody who's torn up Michigan the last couple years, makes a, makes a mental mistake like that and just kind of cuts wrong on a, route, on a oh. choice route. I didn't want to see it end that way. And also, I just think Ohio State was a really fun team to watch this year. I mean, so much star power. The wide receivers, Okuda, Chase Young, I mean, I love watching K.J. Dobbins. He's, he was probably my my favorite player to watch this entire college football season. He's, he's just an electric factory. So I, I love this Ohio State team, actually, which is kind of weird to say. But unlike you guys, I don't really have a rivalry against Ohio State. Wow. So I love watching this. There's team. a definite generational thing going on here. There is no way in hell I'll ever root for Ohio State. I don't care if Jesus Christ is their quarterback. I'm not rooting for him. <laughs> I mean, I I definitely wasn't mad when they lost because of that, but I just can't stand Dabo Sweeney that much. I would have been fine if they little old little old Clemson if Ohio State put them away. <laughs> All right, do we got anything else we want to get on the table here, boys? It's been good to be back. Well, so who do we think is going to win on Monday? Ah, We're recording this. Yeah, that's a good question. A week, a week from the national championship. I I I'm going with LSU all the way. Yeah. I think LSU, I, I want, if LSU does end up winning the national championship, I, I'm going to say they're the best team I've ever seen in my life. That's honestly how, like, when you watch Joe Burrow's seven touchdown passes. I know. In one half. Who I do, mean, good God. Who does he remind you of? Does he remind you of any Hall of Fame quarterback at all? I've heard, like, um, I mean, not necessarily that comes to my head. I've heard, like, Ben Roethlisberger and players like that. Kind of built like Roethlisberger, but he re- just reminds me of uh, Joe Montana, just, just, just from what, just from what he got done in college, you know, Joe, you know, he was uh, like fourth string and made his way to first string, and you know, Burrow started at Ohio State and had a transfer. I, just, just the way he carries himself, it reminds me of Montana. Does it have anything to do with the fact they have the same first name? No, but it's just a co- <laughs> that's a coincidence. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think I'm definitely leaning towards LSU just because I don't know if they've shown anything that makes us think they're going to lose this year. So. Maybe old Dabble will draw something up, though, to beat LSU. Uh, it should be a heck of a game. I'm looking forward to it. It's, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be sad when college football is done for the year again, huh? Yeah, it's horrible. And what always sucks about this national championship game is that it's on a Monday. I know. I hate that. Yep. And also, it's, it's it's always a super long game. It's the second longest game of the year behind the Super Bowl. Yeah. It just seems like it takes forever. Yeah, I'll throw back a flashback memory. I watched it last year in the hospital after the hip surgery. <laughs> but oh, I, yeah. <laughs> 
So I, I at least stayed awake to watch it, but I had to get some extra pain meds before that one was over. <laughs> All right, guys, I think we beat it to death here. Let's call it a podcast. Uh, definitely want to thank our guest and make sure you give him a follow. That's at Tony Dombrowski. Also, remember to subscribe, rate us on all the big podcasting sites, including Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. It's absolutely free, and it really will help us continue to grow. Send your comments for topics or maybe guest suggestions to us on social media. That's at 3 Point Pod, and support our 3 Point Podcast partners. Tell them you listen. I'll tell you what, they do appreciate it. Advanced Elevator, Sheridan Realty and Auction Company, Rivals Taphouse and Grill, The Corona Connection, Card Service Michiana, The Corona Public Schools, and ProMech Engineering. Also, be sure to check out our network friends, Z92.5 The Castle and Sports Radio Detroit. This has been a Sportsnet Michigan production recorded at the WJSZ Studios in Owasso, Michigan. Thanks for listening and supporting Three Point Podcast.